You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Hi, I'm Craig Clevenger, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show! You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Craig Clevenger. He's the author of Mother Howl, a novel. Craig, how you doing, man? It's about goddamn time. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, man. It's, been, it's, been, it's good to see you again. No, we were like, we were talking before we the recording, just how we like, we always bump into each other and hang out. We've never actually set up a plan to hang out, except yeah. for today. Today is the first time in in well over a decade, I at least. Yeah, I think Pam Holm introduced us. Yes, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but totally after, right. I don't remember the occasion, but after it was just after that, it's been pure bumping into you on the street. So yeah, because I, I think it was um you had the contortionist handbook out, so I knew who you were, <laughs> and I didn't have I didn't have I was just writing for the San Francisco Chronicle, but I remember. Uh, and I was I was just about to start submitting Jesus Jerk, and she's just like, "Oh my God, you got to meet Craig. You'll and you got to those guys. You'll you'll fit right in with them. You're just you're you'll fit right in." She kept saying, yeah. "That's yeah, it was a long time ago. It's all a big blur now." So, and I was listening to earlier episodes, and man, you got some heavyweights. So it's it's a privilege to be among you know the company you've had. You know, you don't consider yourself a heavyweight. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I've been in print and I mean, I'm, I'm happy right now and everything tomorrow's my release day, but I, for the book I'm, I'm, I'm released. So we're clear. There's none of that, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's making my imposter syndrome flare up a little bit. So I think that's, I think that just means that you're a good person and a good writer because those who don't have imposter syndrome, Sometimes, sometimes they're good writers, but they scare the crap out of me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I am not, I am not in your parallel universe at all. <laughs> yeah. Imposter syndrome, I think is on the opposite side of the chasm, the big down swoop on the Dunning Kruger, you know, chart, you know, where uh-huh. you, where you, you, you start to become aware of how little you really know only that's when your expertise is setting in, but then you realize how much more you have to learn. And so, yeah, it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, but that's, you know what it is that you just, that it sounds like wisdom, you know, it's like, there's people who are like intellectual and they're just like book smart and all this stuff. And then they get to a certain point where it's just like to get wisdom and realize that, Oh wait, I don't know much, but I'm still trying. Yeah. And that's probably the, the sum total of my wisdom. I think right there is that sentence. So, <laughs> as I was saying that sentence, I was like, I don't sound too wise. <laughs> so, Yogi Berra didn't sound wise either. Yeah, yeah true. Well, and but that guy, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that's that's what I that's what I want my legacy to to be. Uh, Tony Duchesne uh, didn't sound wise, but. That's good. That's good, 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 good to have on your tombstone, you know. Oh my God, that's it right there. He may not have sounded wise, yeah, but because it would be in past tense. At the, at exactly. I was walking amongst uh in L.A. here. I like uh, sometimes I like walk going over to Hollywood Forever and just kind of, you know, doing my walk at the cemetery. And it's just it's such a trip to be. It's such kind of an L.A. thing too because there's a bunch of other people walking. 
<laughs> at the cemetery and the, doing the, yoga. The famous uh, forest lawn, the famous one there. Uh, the Hollywood Forever is the one right behind uh, the Paramount lot. Forest Lawn's over in Glendale. That's that's uh, yeah. That's the huge one. Yeah, you can see that in Marilyn Monroe and everybody. You can see that from the freeway. I didn't know there was a, a grave behind Paramount. That's uh, kind of cool and creepy. And yeah, creepy. they even do movie screenings there. There was a movie screening this last week, which I wasn't feeling well this weekend. But they played Harold and Maude at the outdoor wow. uh, cinema, and I was just like, "Oh, I wish I had a date, and I wish I was feeling better, and I wish I was wise." What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be building this list as we go. Let's, let's make our let's make our bucket. Let's make our vision board right here, Craig. We're gonna do our vision board. <laughs> well, you know what? Congratulations, because I'm just st- I'm stoked you got another book out. Because I mean, this has got this has got to feel. Um, I I don't know. You tell me. I'm putting words in your mouth. But it's like, is there like a momentous and like, of course, where has this been? Kind of thing. It's uh, the the word I'm always using in, in every interview. You know, people ask is relief. It's it's it feels like I've been waiting on the side of the road for a tow truck for 18 years. Um, my first wow. novel was exciting, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My second one, you know, almost as much so. It felt like okay, I'm in the groove now, and then everything fell apart. This feels like it's just relief you know, um, yeah. and trying real hard to keep some perspective about it because the, the publishing landscape, really the, the, the publishing PR landscape changed. Uh, when the handbook came out, I don't think podcasts were a thing back then, or they were in their infancy. Social media, as we know it, did not exist. I think it was after the handbook came out that someone tipped me on to Friendster, if you remember that. Oh, right. yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm um, still on it, still trying to make friends on Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, but now I, I used to, with every new wave of digital widget that came out, you know, I would jump on it and get the Craig Clevenger username at that thing. And I just, I can't keep up anymore. I, 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 I just don't care. I can't keep up anymore. And so now the trick is how do I rise? You know, how, how do you make yourself heard above, you know, how do you get your signal heard above all the others? You know, right. in early days of social media, you could maybe have some kind of Jimi Hendrix burning guitar moment that this is really hard now. Yeah. The, um, yeah. At the same time, it's just, it's, it's just lovely. I mean, yeah, we got social media, but damn, there's just nothing. There is nothing like reading a novel. Uh, and I yeah. think, I think, you know, social media is just such a bum, 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 bum. Sitting down and reading a novel uh, at a cafe or at night is still like one of my biggest joys in life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I during, during the pandemic, um, I would go to mainly Trader Joe's, you know, it's kind of like I just avoided larger grocery stores altogether, but any, you know, when they were still having people queue up outside yeah. and restricting the amount, you know, um, I would always bring a book. Right. And yeah. Every, so I don't, you did the same thing maybe, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. How many people asked you or said to you, wow, that's a great idea. I would get up to the, the guy holding the the door and then queuing people in five at a time or 10 at a time. And he said, it's a really great idea. I didn't say anything. I, but in my head, I'm thinking, no, no, it's not. This is how we used to do things all the time. Like in line at the bank or whatever you would yeah. have, right? You know, the racing form, whatever your crossword, whatever your jam was, you know, you yeah. didn't have your phone. 
your tablet. It's no, I remember it's yeah, I remember in San Francisco when like people would be waiting for Bart to commute, uh, that everybody would have a book in their hand or right. or or a or a magazine or a newspaper. But the amount of people with books was just like I, I wish I just sat there and took all tons of pictures in those days because because that was the that was the device was a book. Yeah. Most of them were really crappy and people were making very bad reading choices, but <laughs> at least they were reading. Yeah. And it, you don't have headphones for the books. So you don't have quite the leave me alone vibe that, that, a, that a pair of headphones and an iPod will give you, but still. Right. Oh, I, every time I, I, I still do it. I, I saw this, uh, I was at a cafe and there was this guy who was in his, he was, I, I did this happened a couple of times about a month ago. One time in New York, I was at a, I was at this cafe and this dude had War and Peace, and wow. and, and he had, he had to be like twenty five. I'm like, wow. I was like, hey man. <laughs> he's like, oh here comes Dad. I'm like, I'm like, how you liking this book? And he's all, and then we really started getting into it, and we just had a wonderful conversation. And it's just like, they're still out there. They right are on. still out there. I knew someone in San Francisco. It was a, it was a, a chap I bartended with. It was his girlfriend, a partner, I guess we say now. But she had actually read all seven volumes of Mar Marcel Proust's *Remembrance of Things Past*. Like I didn't think such a person existed or, or could exist in this century. I mean, I think you just, I always like if you finish infinite jest or whatever, you should get some kind of belt buckle, like a rodeo wrestling thing or something. But that book, I don't know that like, that is an achievement to say, to say the, the least of it. You know, you know, I'm reading that right now. I'm on volume three. I'm on volume three. Yeah, dude. Wow. You would be the second person <laughs> in my known universe that is, that is actually going to muscle through that. It's not even. It's not even like muscling. It's like I, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Yeah, that was. Uh, well, it's. I, I think people think it's hard, you know, because I was. I was think, uh, a friend of mine's doing a discussion about Ulysses on Friday, and I read Ulysses last year for the first time. I tried Ulysses before, and I was just like, "Why is everyone? Th this is no, this is a piece of crap." You know, in, in my in my twenties, I tried it. I'm like, "This is a stupid book." Boom. 30s i tried it okay well maybe i'm wrong no i'm not wrong this book sucks boom and then finally i was like okay tony would you sit down and like i would i read it but i also was i joined this like library class in ireland that cost 15 dollars uh, or euros or what you know whatever the cost was and the guy gave like a 20 minute lecture before three episodes and then we would read those three episodes and then he had a, uh, a he had a prep and then he had a he had an hour lecture afterwards of like okay you know it's okay if you're confused here and and he kept saying the first time you read ulysses is actually the second time you read ulysses and and after reading it <laughs> after reading that and i got to the end I, I i never thought i would in the last two episodes i cried wow. the, i didn't realize how powerful that book was and i was wow. just like wow it blew my mind and then i was kind of like okay where's my next fix where's my next fix and a couple of different friends of mine were like dude have you read proust like in search of lost time i'm like no and they're like it'll change your life and i'm like oh seven volumes Ugh, no give me something shorter and then it just kept coming in and these like weird it's all i'm over here i'm over yeah. here yeah yeah i have books that do that yeah and i'm like all right i'm in so here yeah there's um 
uh, have you have you been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology down there? Oh my God, I have not, and I still need to. This keeps coming in my zeitgeist too. You you need to go there um, because they have a Proust, or used to have a Proust exhibit. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what the Museum of Jurassic Technology is, all I can say is it's exactly what it sounds like, which I realize is zero help. You have to go there. Yeah, experience. I, but he has a he has a one of the exhibits is is a tribute to Marcel Proust. Very cool. Yeah, I'll be I'll be going there for sure. You're in Santa Barbara right now. That's so. correct. It's weird saying. I mean, I, I I keep bouncing back here. I've actually divided my time between here and 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 the desert. Yeah. Um, but after after sort of the bottom fell out of uh, after my old publisher went under in in uh, the Bay Area, things just you know, I couldn't stay. And but I I had managed to to pursue my goal of buying a piece of, of property out near Joshua tree. And, uh, I, I thought I was naive. I thought it would have broken ground a long time ago. Um, I didn't realize what a, a Sisyphean, you know, climb this was going to be. But in the meantime, I kind of landed back here to an old friends and I'm, and I'm, you know, getting by here working at the library and I get out to the desert, you know, as often as I can and eventually it will settle there permanently. Wait, um, What's it like working at the library? Is this the first time you've worked uh, at the library? No, this is your first I mean, library job? Or? No, no. It's it's. I started I started as a page at the main downtown library, and I don't like I hate that term because I just think of the haircut, you know. <laughs> but that's what they're called, and you know, basically we're book roadies. We're library, you know, we basically shell books, clear the book drop, do you know, they do the grunt work. It's a good entry level position. Oh, you know what? But, book uh, roadie is one of the. Uh, you got to get a T-shirt that says book roadie. I'd be all roadie, over that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I did see some women at Book Expo one year who had navy blue windbreakers with yellow block lettering on the back like you see it you know coroner crime scene it just said librarian which i thought was very cool oh that is really yeah. cool. so i did that for a while and eventually I, I was kept interviewing for a step up a higher position um uh and eventually i got one but it was at an entirely different library system in in the county in you know the Galita system um and i started working up in Buellton, which was a real trip because Buellton is like the beginning of the central coast farm belt so the the library up there was not this stately and you know building it was literally a decommissioned barrack from the uh uh vandenberg i think is the air force base up there huh. uh, it's like an old decommissioned barrack that initially was a schoolhouse and then has been the library. So it's pretty much a double wide. Um, and it was very small, very rural. It was just a lot, you know, like we were literally down the street from a tractor supply and the sheriff, we shared the parking lot with a sheriff substation, which was also a little mobile home. So it was a tiny library, but it was a blast. Uh, the one that runs it up there, I used to work with it, work with down at, in, in the downtown library. And eventually I, uh, you know, applied for a, a higher paying position at the main branch of the Galita system, which was more money and also like put like 150 bucks worth of, you know, save me 150 bucks in gas every month, you know, making that drive up there. The, um, so yeah, I, this is my, my third library, I guess, if we're splitting hairs. The, it's, I just, I like an author who also works at the library. They, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm sure there's people that like know who you are, 
but can't remember no. your face. No, no. <laughs> really? No, like they've read your work. You know what I'm saying? And, um, <clears throat> maybe. I don't always, it doesn't always come up. In fact, I was running the writer's workshop. I started it up at the Buellton branch. There's mm -hmm. one gentleman there uh, who is among the most voracious readers I've ever known in my life. And he would sit in on the workshop. He had no interest in writing. He was just a reader who wanted to see how the sausage was made. Yeah. And, and at one point I was, I was, uh, I was talking, I think I read as an example, the, trying, trying to kind of give them, coach them on how to give constructive criticism. I wanted to read a short story that I knew was bulletproof and let them speak freely. And I read a piece by Chris Bear, uh, Will Christopher Bear, called The Age of Reason, that I have made every time I try to read it out loud, I choke up at the end. It, it remains one of my my gold standards for, for you know, like a, a short piece. It's amazing. Um, and I, it was going to be published in the Coachella Review soon after because I tried reading it out loud to Gina Frangelo and choked up. She goes, no, I got it. Give me that. I'm publishing this. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, that was actually out at Robert Bears's place in the desert. Um, but anyway, I was reading that and I talked about how I knew Chris. And I mentioned in I don't remember because I never say, you know, I never flaunt my credentials. It feels like a like a real jerk move. Yeah. But this patron goes, wait, that's you? He'd read the book years ago and loved it, but didn't know that it was yeah. me the whole time. But no, nobody, I don't get, rec writers don't get recognized. Yeah. Every now and then I'll get an email on social media that says, you know, we were at the movies and we thought we, we saw you and we want to say, you know, say something, but we figured he gets that all the time. And I emailed back and said, no, <laughs> no, never. please, please come up to me. Yeah. <laughs> the one time somebody recognized me cold, I was sitting in an IRS agent's office. I was in deep shit with some back taxes. That's the only time somebody's wow. ever. Yeah. Now, was it the auditor who went, oh, my God, I love contortionist handbook. You're good. No, no, no. I, I, I can <laughs> only closed. dream. <laughs> By the way, I should have, I'm sorry, I should have warned you, you were going to be hearing our cat who sounds like a howler monkey getting its butt waxed. Um, she is not in pain. She's just old and crazy. And this is her her time to start making noise. It'll fade in a moment. So Yeah, and it's fine. And, and, and cats who want their butts waxed. I am four. I am four yeah, cats no. <laughs> who want their butts waxed. I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the library, what's what's fascinating about the library for me, what, what makes it so in, enriching is, and wow, I never use that word. That that tastes wrong in my mouth, that word. Um, it's, like saying, like, it's like saying namaste. Yeah, probably when you said vision board a moment ago, you probably kind of went, what was that? Did I? Yeah. 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 That an influencer. Anyway. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, we, we go two hours on influencer. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I spent 10 years uh, working in, in high tech, right? In, in the, I was, I had a front row seat for the first dot com burst. There, there she goes. You know, I, I mean, I was there for that first big explosion when the dot com starter pistol went off and I worked with some brilliant people and some good people, but by and large, and I think even from an outsider standpoint, it's pretty obvious that there's this sense from Silicon Valley, especially now the vocabulary with words like disruptor and this and that, there's a sense that no matter what little widget they are doing, they are curing cancer and it gets really oh, annoying after a while. Yeah. You and, know, I, you, I was in tech too, you know. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I worked at I worked at Hewlett Packard and Sun Microsystems. Okay. This was in ninety. This was in the late nineties. And okay, um, we had the, we had the we started at the same time then. And I quit about a year before the dot com went down because at, at Sun we were doing um we were working with uh, Documentum and Unix and right. creating kind of a content management system in the early days right. of. And I was I was like twenty nine in a boardroom full of people in their forties who were just rich as hell. Yeah, and and I looked at all of them, and all I saw was death. And yeah. I and, and I wanted to be a writer, and I'm like, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this and write. Yeah. I, I can't be in this. I can't be in. I can't be around these people. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and 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 I still have very good friends from my days there, you know. But the thing is, working in libraries, what astounded me was how many people I I work with and have worked with at other libraries who have brains to burn who are every bit as brilliant as any engineer who's who's rolling in money right i yeah. mean think about it the actual degree for a librarian is is a degree in information like the science of inform it's just astounding to me and i work with brilliant people who don't act like they're curing cancer, who really right. have a sense of their pers of perspective and, and the good they're doing, even though the world at large doesn't appreciate it, maybe. You know, people think, oh, we have Amazon, what do we need libraries for? So it's a real, it's a real, just a real charge to work around a lot of these people who are really committed to this. It's it's fun. And and it's 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 what's the saying? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, it's really good to be around these people. It, it's very it, they're good people. And, and the library just means everything to me. Cause that's where I just, I, that's where I found out about books in general when I was in my twenties, you know, cause I grew up, Joe was witness and I didn't have yeah. much access. So that's where I got my access, but that just having that much is even today. I, I'm, I just, I went to the library today cause I had holds. I'm always, I always yeah. have holds at the library. <laughs> they know who I, yeah. they knew, they know who I am there. Not because I write, but because I'm the guy that always has holds. <laughs> You know, and there's a lot of places like when I worked in bookstores, most of the regulars were people we made jokes about. I mean, people that come in, you know, at certain times of the day, park with their coffee and just treat it like a library and read and leave books piled up with coffee rings. I mean, to constant people oh, that, wow. you know, look, I mean, any any retail position, I think, is just, you know, you're going to have your share of like annoying regulars. Yeah. And, and it, that happens in the library too, no doubt. But when librarians know you, and it's not because they've had to kick you out more than once, you know, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. No, um, what, yeah, there's one guy he, who works at the Los Feliz Library, and I wish I knew his name, but he always um, he has an avocado tree, and when he and when his avocados are like ripe, he always gives me. He's like, oh, oh hold on a second. And he goes in back and gives me an avocado. I'm just like, right on. I'm like, this is. This is the life reading books and get and getting an avocado, a fresh avocado, fresh avocado. <laughs> it's um, and for me, it was really naive when I first started because I'd spent my share of time in libraries. But aside from, say, reference books or special collections and maybe access to, to computers, for me, it was bookstores sell books, libraries you know, lend them out. That was really the difference. And it wasn't. And for me, you know, when I interviewed for that first position, I just, you know, it was for me just a natural part of the ecosystem that I should be in. I was very naive. I did not realize the 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 vast 
like the massive services libraries do for for their their communities and i know i sound like a cheerleader now but but the digital divide is real very yeah. large it's 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 you know the accessibility of of wi-fi and all that doesn't permeate you know the population as much as people think it does and yeah. We're, I don't know how anybody raises a child without a library card. They read books by the wheelbarrow, right? There's yeah. just no way. And I mean, I remember had a guy come to me just ask for a day pass for the computer because I just got out of jail and I need to send an email from my to my mom. I don't have any idea. I can't get a card. I said, I got you, bro. I gave him a day pass. Like that's yeah. sort of, you know. Hey, can you hold for just a second? I'm gonna sure. Are you picking this? I want to give her some. Oh, food. it's 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 not battle. it's not bad at all, dude. It actually it's 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 making the interview more interesting. <laughs> okay, but yeah, she <laughs> is old and she is hungry. Let me see if I can satiate her for a second. I'll be all right, right. take all a right. moment. I love and you. we'll be right back with Craig Clevenger. Sorry about and that. And now, and now we're back. All right. <laughs> Brought to you by a hungry cat. <laughs> Brought to you by kitty litter, changing kitty litter. But it's it's funny. Most of the people, and and I, a lot of people I know very well who don't who are very well read. But for them, libraries they don't need libraries. They can afford books. That's kind right. of I get it. But I mean, the people I see coming in who like to use the computers, sometimes yeah, they're playing games, noodling around. I've seen people coming in trying to get legal documents dealt with that are urgent, and they don't have a computer. They don't have a printer. Yeah. They don't, you know. Um, it's astounding, like the 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 holes that are being filled by a library, and uh, yet they're I, always having to justify themselves. You know, yeah. I, I teach. Uh, I volunteer at the. I teach a creative writing workshop once a month at the Los Feliz Library, and it's uh, the the different people that come in. Like the vast difference of the audience is it just tickles my heart. And, mm -hmm. and some of the people that first came where I was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> and they've come for five years and they haven't missed a week. And they're like, yeah. and, and their writing is good and it's getting better and they're working on stuff and it's just blowing my mind. And yeah. then people come in who have written like three screenplays and, you know, they're, or, and they've done like a lot of stuff. And they're like, I just eat some, I just need some juice, man. He's <laughs> just oh. like, all right. So it's, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, I just get a kick out of it because I just love just being associated with the library. That's like that feels like a rock star moment to me. Just yeah. being around a library feels like a rock star moment. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good place to work. I'm I'm I, I'm really happy I got a foothold. And there was a very late calling in life. I'm I'm, I'm glad that naivete has been shed. <laughs> but at the same time, you gotta you got your book coming out. Oh, well, your book is out as this is being aired. Uh, yeah, it's right. Tomorrow's the release day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I watched some of the, I watched some, some of the YouTube that you posted cause you were on the television. You or you were on the television right. out there. Yeah. The Central coast. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. no way, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know you went to Bolivia. I, I, or maybe you, maybe I heard you went to Bolivia and I forgot about yeah, it. It wasn't for a long time. Um, but yeah, I did go down there. It was like, yeah, I mean, you, you heard the story on that interview. So yeah, I went down there and that's where I got the bulk of the writing done on, on mother. Owl. Yeah. When was that? That was, when was that? Oh God, that would have been, I guess, 2010. 
yeah thereabouts it's it's all a blur at this point you know um but yeah they're about 2010 uh wendy dale a writer uh who i'd gotten to know virtually over the years and met her a few times uh when she was out in la had spent most of her life living in south america and so you know like i was telling um david you know in that interview i just emailed her said any tips because i was i managed to you know squeeze you know one it, it turns out it wasn't but at the time i didn't know that it was you know one last royalty check out of my old publisher right I noticed oh, i don't name them um and uh we don't uh, have to yeah it's cool <laughs> so you said i can't swear so if i if i can't swear i'm not going to say their name because then I, have to swear. <laughs> I, I feel you man i feel you uh, i mean what i i just well i mean speaking of it's just like when I heard the news about that and I heard like just rights being tied up and all that, yeah. it, it's just, it's just gut wrenching. Cause it's just like, wait, that's, we're not in this. We're in this just to get red, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's weird is like all the, all the, the, you know, backhanded stuff they were doing. And also by not naming them, naming them, I can say all sorts of things that can't get me sued. Right. Cause I haven't actually named them. But yeah. you know some of the, the the really shady stuff they were they were doing. I was talking to a, a, a mutual buddy of ours, Peter, uh, City Lights, and and we were, we would always oh. scratch our heads like, how does somebody get this underhanded and run a small press? I mean, okay, if you're in the big record industry or real estate i get it but what are you getting out of this by right. by being so underhanded so but yeah i got one last royalty check and went down to bolivia and um yeah did did the bulk of the you know i came back with what i called a working draft but i did a lot more after that but it was like a complete story at that point but it was it it, it i was still looking for that missing something that i it took me a while to get down but yeah when 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 all that publishing stuff's going down did you find it really hard? Did you find it hard to write? I, I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been in emotional states in my life where I just like, I mean, what, uh, some of the stuff was during Jesus jerk um, post-production. And even after it was released, I just kind of felt like I had, I had zero, you know, you just got zero. Yeah. Oh, it was, it, it was absolutely draining. I mean, because it was my livelihood and it's, it's difficult to um, um, write without a stable, like, place to go yeah to write and live um and it was just it's it's an, it's frustrating because it, it's my life I mean, that stuff means a lot to me and if i'm not going to make a lot of money off off it I'd, I'd like to at least have some control over it but it was completely out of my control largely that's been rectified there's a few things that i will never be able to to undo but and I'll never know how much money I lost. Um, uh, my, my attempts to get my old royalty statements, there's, there's a big gap in the royalty statements that I was never able to close. So I'll never know. And yeah. they, 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 they just, you know, fed a line of nonsense about that. Um, so, yeah, but it was really difficult. It knocked me out of orbit for a while. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, yeah, like what Peter said, where it's just like, you just think you know someone and all of a sudden it's just because because these you know these types of publishers like it's just like we all know each other yeah we're all, we're, we all show up you know we, we go to a we go to do panel discussion wherever and it's just like oh you're sitting next to these people and it's just like wait a second what you're doing what? yeah so. yeah it's it's weird but it's it's in the past and i'm happy i mean there's 
there's there's a there's a, like the ebook rights are are with you know somebody out in the UK that I don't know if I'll ever get them back even though he hasn't paid wow. me he's never paid me ever yeah. Yeah. um so, and they and they sold the UK rights to Harper Collins in the UK for the life of the copyright just simply so they can never revert back to me now Harper Collins has been nothing but good to me yeah. and they've been honest and straight up. They are Harper Collins. You know, that's been my experience. So, and hopefully the books will, you know, start, you know, selling more. I mean, that's, that's one of the few royalty checks I was still getting, um, you know, over the years after they yeah. built. So I'm okay with Harper Collins having it. It's just a little weird that I can never get it back for any reason, you know, no matter what happens. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's And I, and what's, and then what's great about coming out with mother Howell that, um, that, you know, the, yeah, people, people go back to your old books. People go, oh, wait I, yeah. a second, wait a second. I love this. Oh man. I got to read the other ones. It's like, and you're, you're getting a whole new generation of readers. That's easier to do in the UK because they're still in print out there. So hopefully, you know, they'll get a new life out here in the US. Oh, okay. So they would have to order they they have to order from the UK then. Which yeah. which kind of makes Amazon nice sometimes because you can actually order from the UK. I mean, I've yeah. I've done that where there's writers for their books were translated and that only came out in the UK in English. And I'm just like, boom. Yeah. I'll pay the shipping. I'll pay it in yeah. pounds. Just get me that damn book. I think the one time I ordered from Amazon UK was I wanted the British version of of House of Leaves. Um, the cover oh, was, was it different than the... the cover? Yeah, it's different cover and it was gorgeous. But there was a mistake on the page. It said hardcover and I got a paperback. It turns out they didn't do it in hardcover out there. I just wanted a hardcover to go with my American hardcover that because that that book is one that is worthy of of display. So I wanted. Yeah. So they didn't have it, but I've still got the UK paperback. That's nice to have, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a keeper. Man, that book blew my mind when I read it, when it came out, blew my mind. I I read that one once every few years, go back through it again. It's, 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 yeah. I I need to do that. I don't think I've read it in at least a decade. Have you ever met Mark uh, Danielewski? No, no, I have not. No, um, I haven't either. I've been to a reading. Um, do you know, Caitlin Meyer? Oh yeah, I love her. Yeah, she's a lover to death. She went to high school with him, apparently. Oh no so way! She she knows him and his sister. You know, I don't know how yeah. in touch they are, but they did they did go to school together. Yeah, I was just I was just touching base with Caitlin because uh, Kevin and Alia are moving to Por Portugal, and I had no clue. And, then, yeah. and and I'm I'm planning on going to Europe in October, and I was like, maybe I should visit Caitlin. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh wait, Kevin and Alia are going to be there too. And I was just like, what? What? So I think I'm in Portugal in October for at least a week. Yeah, she she told I found out from Caitlin that they were moving there. I didn't know Kevin had divested from Green Apple until she told me that. I thought he was yeah. still deep in that. So yeah, that seems to be the actually old the director of our library system uh, retired recently. Um, the one that you know oversees, and she's moving out there as well in about a year. So I'm not sure wow. what the call of Portugal is. I've been there; it's beautiful, but but that seems to be the expat place. That's the new Prague, I guess. How interesting! That I like how you say it's the new Prague. I remember the being new in Czech Republic, I guess. Is what yeah, 
I was in, I was, I was just married and I, we, and me and oh, my gosh. wife at the time went to Prague and hung out in the, all around the Czech Republic. And oh, wait, you mean like, you were married back then? You're... Oh, back then. No, no. Okay. I now. said, congratulations. Yeah. The way you said my mistake. Oh no, no, no. And then we got divorced and now you could say. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was a while ago though. But, um, but it was in the nineties and it's just like, and you, and you could just kind of feel it. The It's just yeah. like, Oh man, it is so cheap to live. You could be a writer here forever on. It was just, it was kind of beautiful. You know, in the touristy area, it was like, you know, $5 for a cappuccino. Oh, and then yeah, you just was, walk yeah. like four blocks away and it's like, it's a 10 cents. You know, it was, um, I came very close to moving there myself very close i i had uh yeah. if i, I would have just divorced my wife then i would have I, I, I look back on that because i remember i remember even having the thought going god i could just push her in front of a train <laughs> it was that's when that's when i realized that i was just like who did i marry but it was that's a whole nother story i mean you're having those thoughts maybe it's just better off to just sever things and leave it yeah yeah you know, i was i was working a a soul-sucking file clerk job not a file it was, I, I moved up from file clerk it was it was a shipping clerk i was doing you know, uh, really complicated, dreary export paperwork for aircraft parts. It was just dull as dirt. But, you know, I had put in for a month-long leave. Uh, it's ironically, though, the, 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 the guy who ran that company, I'm still in touch with. And he's one of the people that really encouraged me to, like, get back to writing. Um, but I had, I had put in for a month leave. He also encouraged me to travel. So when I said, okay, I'm going to take a month off and he said, you got it. The CEO of the company approved it, like went over all the heads. And what a, spent, what a great dude, man. Yeah. He's a good, he's a fine human, Jim Madison, his yeah. father. I didn't know him at the time, but when he first came on board, someone told me, well, you know, Jim Madison's father used to be a writer. I said, really? And I, I said, Jim, you know, I hear your father's writing. He goes, well, you know, he, he's long past. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he goes, no, it's quite all right. I'm talking to the CEO and I bring up his dead father. And I was like, oh, good move, Clevenger. <laughs> he was a lovely, his father, it turns out, um, Mel Madison was a, a very well-known sports writer back in the day. Apparently he wrote a lot about boxing. That was what he covered a lot. So, hmm. so, so yeah, Jim was very, he was one of the first people to read an early draft of the handbook, as a matter of fact. Um, huh. so he's moved back to New York long ago, but we're still in touch, you know, social media. Anyway, I took a month off of work, but I spent six months before that working a night job at a, at a bookstore uh -huh. saved up. Cause I wanted to do a motorcycle. Where, where was this? Where, where were you living at the time? I was in Los Angeles. I was okay. living in LA. This is all in LA and the bookstore. I worked at the bookstore down. It's long gone, but it was a great place. Um, I saved up money because I was going to go to, england rent a motorcycle and and spend a month motorcycling to the uk and ireland that had been sort of a bucket list thing before there was a term and i did that but right before i was you know getting ready to go there was this um that's when the rumblings about you know the, the wall came down and, and and now prague was like the first place people were going and it was and i eventually went there years later when i worked for the tech company and it's a beautiful place my lord it is gorgeous but I, I said, you know, all the money I've saved, because the UK was not as cheap to right. say nothing to me of like, and half my budget was basically on the motorcycle rental. Yeah. Right. So, so I had a good chunk of cash I was leaving with that would have lasted me, 
you know, a couple of years in Prague. And I thought maybe I should just pull the plug on this UK thing and just move to Prague. And I came that close, but it just seemed like a really reckless thing to do. And I didn't, and I, I don't regret it, but I kind of wonder, you know, if, you know, yeah. I don't regret it. I mean, I, that, that was a fantastic trip, but uh, yeah, I, I, by the time I got to Prague when I was with the tech world, it, uh, that had kind of faded. That it was a beautiful place. It was a lot of fun, but that that expat left bank glow had kind of faded. Yeah, because it was like Prague and Budapest, I think, yeah. in the in like the nineties. Yeah, it was just like, or, or probably even before then. But when when I when it came on my radar, I was just I knew people who were just like, I'm buying a place in Budapest, and I'm like, yeah, Wait, what? And there, and one is still there. I can't remember his name, but I worked with him for a little bit. But it's a trip. Yeah, nope, never did. Still here, and I'm done traveling. So there it has, there it is. You're done traveling. Why is that? Uh, I well, when I worked in with the tech company, I spent two years living out of a bag. You know, I, I I went over to the international office. They opened up a headquarters in Ireland, and I spent some time there. But I was really just training people on our software and all the European distributors and working the European trade shows. So. You know, people ask where I live, and I would just say Heathrow because I was <laughs> I was on the road three weeks out of the month. And when you're young, it sounds you know, hey, seeing the world on somebody else's dime sounds like a blast, and it was no question. Yeah. But but it was also like the loneliest stretch I'd ever been in, and it's it's really disorienting after a while. I would wake up in places forgetting where I am. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I had I had a system where I would I always keep a small notebook with me and I would write down in big block letters the the hotel and the address because if I'm in Sweden or Finland I can't pronounce the thing so right. I had to show it to the cab driver and I'm always getting booked in like a Hyatt or a Hilton so everywhere I would go I would check in I would make sure I got two or three different business cards from that hotel and stick them in different pockets because if I went out somewhere. I would, it was always a higher order Hilton. I, I would forget where I was and, you know, was it different from the last one? The only way I could remember was to make sure I threw out the old business cards and keep the ones for the hotel I'm in right now to keep oriented. Um, that was, was, that was, that was traveling pre-internet and pre-device pre too. Cause it's, yeah. it's just like, I remember having the, you know, even, even just, you got to know where you, I, when I was um, the first time I went to Paris and I, I never like every time I went to Paris, I never stayed in Paris. I always stayed in the suburbs. Right. <laughs> it's just like, I felt, you know, it's, that was my budget. And um, so I had to take the RER. I could never take the Metro to get to where I was going. It was a little too far, but I was in this place called Nanterre and I remember, and I was just so confused and I was like, it just, I remember not knowing a, barely any French and I was just like, and I would just yeah. like show show the address and like this one woman this young uh, this I was so attracted to her too and I asked her for her number and she gave it to me and I felt like so great we went on a couple dates and then she wow. kind of to be yeah she turned out to be a pain in the ass and that was the end of that but um but I remember her name was Nicole that's right she was like she's like come with me. I'm from Austria and uh, I'm a nanny and I'm going that way too. And I was just like, Oh, okay, cool. And then I was like, Hey, wait, it was nice. Not, it was nice not knowing where I was going. Cause I'm walking yeah. with this lovely young lady. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. Now you just look at your device and you wouldn't even look up and see there's a nice young lady to talk to. 
Yeah, I, I would go places and I would usually land and get checked in and or and and sometimes my host, like the distributor or whatever, would would pick me up and take me out or whatever. But at least usually on the first night I was on my own and and I was just a young young youngster and and just full of energy and in this big world and again desperately lonely and just bored and edgy and full of energy. I'd grab a cab and I would always say you know city center and I learned that pretty fast because. At least on the West Coast, you don't, especially Southern California, you don't have L.A. doesn't maybe it does now with the metro, but there's no central part of town. Right. And and I I would want to make sure I didn't end up at what their version of, say, Fisherman's Wharf is. I didn't want to go to the tourist. Right. Area. Didn't, didn't yeah. want to end up the Hard Rock Cafe Budapest. So I would say <laughs> city center and they would take me to a place where that would be the middle, the heart of the city. And I could just wander around on my own. I just let, sometimes they would ask me for something specific when I said, look, I just want to go to where, I just want to see the city on my own, but go to a place where I can maybe have a drink or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it turned out to be exceptionally cool, you know, depending on the drivers. Sometimes people tried to scam me. Uh, that, that got weird, but by and large, that was, that was my MO getting around. Did, you know, even though it was lonely, was do you look back on some of the loneliness and go, oh, man, that was I actually needed that? I don't know. I never thought about that. I don't think so. I think when I came back. Um, I mean, you, you saw the interview I did with with David on the on the local station here. I, I think I mentioned that when that I had. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched a couple of minutes of it. Part of what was keeping me sane all that time was was really diving back into the writing, which had slowly been edged out of out of sight. You know, working for this tech company, and I was writing, and the book that would have the story that would eventually became Germophoria. That's what I was starting with. That was going to be my first novel, um, oh, and wow. I filled up an entire longhand notebook of just this writing, this free this kind of brainstorming dermaphoria writing writing in the first person i left it in the seat pocket of an airplane never got it back it just vanished and i stopped writing for a while after that it was just oh. that was just that, that just knocked the wind out of my sails you know so yeah um, um yeah I, I i couldn't say i mean i'm glad i had the experience but i i'm not sure exactly what holes it filled i mean I have good stories, you know. I, I if I if I'd spent the two years working in the office, I I wouldn't have as many stories. Now I can pretty much say name a country, and I can you know in Europe, and I can tell you a story about mm. something really good or really bad that happened in most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Good fodder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah. It's yeah. I I mean I I'm just excited because I haven't been to Europe since the '90s, and I'm just like, okay. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of the country. So <laughs> I think it's vital for for people to travel, and I especially travel on a budget. Oh yeah. Well, I'm always traveling on a budget. Well, yeah, there's that. But I mean, I wasn't always. You know, I mean, yeah, I did fly there. You know, with with the with the you know tech company, and they put me up, and there was that. But I also did my own traveling. You know, yeah. the motorcycle trip, and I've been there since. Um, I think it's vital for people to have a different sense, a different sense of the world. Um, you can tell people who have never 
never been outside of suburbia or never been outside of the big city they live in. Like there's no, their frame of reference is very, very small and you learn so much. I mean, you go overseas when you travel and you read whatever guidebooks you read and you're prepared for if, if, even if it's the same language, different lingo, different phrasing, different sides of the road, um, you, you're prepared for say, tipping um you know different norms of getting a, around right food with the what's the food like you know you you have like a half a dozen things that you're braced to be different and and that's all you need if you're just traveling there living there it's a whole different world you there's there is your whole frame of reference just gets blown apart um when i moved to ireland I went to the grocery store to stock up my kitchen. My kitchen was empty because I was, I'd lived there. I wasn't just at a youth hostel. And I spent, I don't know how long, a ridiculous amount of time looking for table salt. I needed to buy just a big thing of table salt. So I'd, you know, stock the pantry. And no, I did not ask for help because that's, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, eventually, I eventually found it. And this is kind of an underwhelming story, but for me, it, it, it taught me something really valuable. I did find it. When I found it, the table salt was in this white, opaque plastic bottle that looks exactly like what we have, a, like a bleach container, like a small bottle of Clorox. In my mind, I didn't realize I was looking for the blue cardboard cylinder. Now, that sounds really trivial, but you don't realize until you live there and go about your daily life for a stretch how many assumptions are baked in, you know, motherboard level. Yeah, that we take for granted that we navigate, and <clears throat> all of those vanish when yeah. you're living there. And it's a really good way to kind of make your world bigger. <clears throat> Sorry, voice is going. When I was when I was in um when I was in Italy and I we had a two hour like train uh, stop, and I'm like I just need I just need a bottle of wine for the next you know leg of this. And I was looking around for a wine shop, and then and then I got the bottle of wine, and then I was just like. You, you know, I didn't know how to say anything in Italian. I was like, you know, I was like, eh, and I was like sh doing the motion and they're like, oh, blah, 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 you know, yeah. oh, I'm hearing this. And I'm like, I knew how to say slow down. I was like, parli più lentamente or something like that it meant. Right. You know, and we said cava tapo. And I was like, cava tapo, C-C, cava tapo. And they're like, yeah. And then they would talk fast. It turned out I had to go to a hardware store to get the corkscrew to open the wine bottle. So they, they were giving me directions to a hardware store to get the, they had no, they had no corkscrews in the wine shop. Why would you need the corkscrew in the wine shop? You've already been to the hardware store. Why would you do this? Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I, <laughs> I would learn. And once I bit my rule was learn, you know, hello, goodbye, please. Thank you. Telephone and bathroom. I could get those. Yes. Words. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, and then the regional word for whatever drink, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, it was in, Italy or France, I can't remember, but it was regional. Bica was a little espresso. Yeah. I, I got the hang of just sitting down and and he would they would say something to me like, how you doing? What can I get you? Or whatever. But in, in rapid fire, their language that I couldn't catch, I'd just say, you know, Bica, you know, Sibupe, whatever, you know, right. whatever the word for please was. And, you know, just try to mumble it and get it out there. And then just nod and wait. Just they wouldn't know I wasn't local. And they started talking to me and I'd say, OK. I, yeah, I, yeah. Now, I, now I got to fess up. 
<laughs> I, I got to know this chap in Israel one time uh, when I when I was I, I was putting too much money down for for a because t- I this is before the euro right yeah, and yeah. I don't think Israel is part of the U, uh, EU anyway but but um, of course it's not uh, um, but even in Europe I was constantly it was revolving currency. And so I didn't know that the exchange rates were different everywhere. So I was constantly looking like a rube when I was pulling out money, paying too much or too little. But that started a lot of conversations. And I got to know people that way. I did, you know, a couple of people ripped me off, but they were the exception. Yeah, different currency. It's just like, it looks like Monopoly money. You're like this many. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. (laughs) Dutch Dutch money was gorgeous. Dutch, Dutch, they had the Holland of the coolest money. In South Africa, they had they had animals on them instead of heads of state, which I really liked. Oh, I love that. I think they still do. I think the ranch still has as the animals, but the the Dutch gilder, I think, was just the coolest looking money. Yeah, I always got a kick that it was different sizes to the paper, which makes sense. Totally, like beyond. I didn't even know, and then and they were like, "Wait." All of your all of your money and is, is green and the same. <laughs> it would just be like, how yeah, do you do yeah. anything? <laughs> American currency got to be really boring after all of that. And and even now I look at it and go, and the redesigned bills, okay, A for effort, but still, you know. Yeah. yeah. Let's get Harriet Tubman back on the 20 like we were going to, right? And and we'll talk. That's a start. <laughs> yeah, it's a start. And then let's let's make them bigger and smaller. Right, right. Anyway, so that, so that visually impaired people don't have to do that whole folding trick all the time. You know, you don't accidentally hand the wrong bill out, right? <laughs> I just, I'm just the guy that looks at it real close. Takes my, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm turning. Actually, I'm paying. I'm paying with my phone these days. What the hell happened? I don't even pull cash out anymore. To, to the bodega down the street, I do, but, but man, <laughs> it's, who uses cash? <laughs> I, I I've had I've only handled cash the first time very recently in the last two years. I think once or twice over the two years of the pandemic. I like watching when you do have a hundred dollar bill, watching the you know, the the cashier at like the gap, you know, the 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 sixteen year old like hold it up to the light and, and everyone's got the their, you know, we got the pens now, but you still see people doing their like really this some some kids can be able to to spot like some cartel counterfeit job right Right. right really right. i don't think so yeah always makes me chuckle yeah it yeah get using cash and then just the look of like oh wait we have to transact <laughs> yeah <laughs> all i got is dirty paper man i just got yeah. dirty paper Let's exchange this. It's another thing I learned in Italy, like the weird thing where you, you don't touch the money between hands. You always put yeah. it in a little dish. Um, yeah. Makes so much sense. Right. Makes so much sense. Right. Uh, but other places, it just, again, you know, there's so many hard baked assumptions we, we have about just how you get through your day just are, are, are irrelevant when you're someplace else and living, you know, there, it, it goes beyond just currency, food, driving tipping customs you know it's it it's everything about your daily life is different yeah Craig, thanks for coming on the show man well it, thanks for having me i will uh I, we, we we need to connect in in person down down in la i will be down there quite a bit in the coming months no doubt yes so I'll give good you a call good awesome
You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Say it. 